The Kilkenny Hurling Podcast with Eddie Scally and Robbie Dowling. Brought to you by KCLR and scoreline.ie. It's the Kilkenny Hurling Podcast brought to you by KCLR. Each week, myself, Robbie Dowling and Eddie Scally discuss all the talking points regarding Kilkenny Hurling and beyond. Delighted to be joined in studio, as always, by Eddie. Eddie, how are you? I'm great, Robbie. Thanks. I see I'm no longer former Blacksmiths manager again this uh, week. It's a bi-weekly It's going to be mixing mix. Yeah, all right, yeah, that's yeah, fair enough. We'll go with it next week. But um, before we get into the Hurling Super Bowl last night, Eddie, the American All-Ireland Final? No interest. No? No, not even not even remotely interested in it at all. Um, the sport itself or just the whole showpiece around it? I'm no interest in American football as a sport. And then the fact American football is so... And look, there's loads of people who love American football. Yeah, Let's yeah. look them at that. I actually think if you need to have halftime shows and all this... Cardiology going on and uh, maybe the sport's not as exciting as people think I don't know no went into work this morning and my track foreman was up on half four this morning watching it absolutely loves the game he disagreed with me fully so you know what fair juice to them people they're all great seen the price of the tickets and the whole lot absolutely astronomical five times the price of the World Cup final I know what I prefer to go to yeah I'm with you I think on most of that but I think it is a it's a unique event to say the least every Taylor year, Swift so. won though didn't she? She did oh, Taylor Swift won I'm delighted about that yeah, yeah, yeah. she's going uh, to be pretty good at it the, the power couple of the world at the moment Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift congratulations to them both uh, we'll get to more important matters the hurling uh, and Kilkenny got off to uh, well got off to got their first win of the season against Cork 117 to 21 points on Saturday night it wasn't without its own drama of course Kilkenny leading by 9 points at one stage Cork um, came back into the game before Kilkenny hung on for a crucial victory I, I think it will become a crucial victory as the league goes on uh, your initial thoughts on it Eddie a good win for Kilkenny yeah look going down to Parky Cueve was never going to be easy so it was a, it was a <clears throat> I'd say it was a good win um, I think it's it's probably important to point out as well. Kilkenny are still unbeaten in the league, so you know what I mean. They drew their first game and won their second game, so it's not. It, it, it kind of makes the draw against Wexford a good result in a sense, doesn't it? Yeah, well, look, the draw against Wexford was always going to be a good result. I, I do you know what I mean? I think you, I would have preferred Kilkenny to win. There's no point in saying you wouldn't prefer mm. them to win, but they didn't lose, um, and there is a lot of experimenting going on. I like I had to listen to people yesterday saying to me, "Oh, that's very close to Kilkenny starting team for an All Ireland final." Even if the components are very close to the starting team, the starting team aren't going to be near the level of fitness tactically set up anything. It wouldn't matter. But I actually thought the game itself on Saturday, I thought Kilkenny played quite well uh, without being absolutely brilliant. One or two players really stood out. Adrian Mullen gave an absolute exhibition. Um, He was very, very good. Owen Cody was was good. he had a goal chance you would have liked him maybe to bring it on another couple of steps and hit it but I suppose the flash shot if it hits the back of the net it's a great goal but um, no there was there was, there was was lots of positives there as well I thought Mikey Carey at midfield um, I think that's something that might work uh, this year because he's he's a big man he's he's very athletic he, he he's no problem going forward um, as he did get a couple of scores from wing back when he was playing there so no I think you know in general I think it was a very very good result um, the win and I think the performance itself you know albeit there was a 20 minute lull there where Kenny threw away a really big lead but other than that I think it was Derek will be very happy we may as well start with the best player on the pitch uh, KCLR gave him man of the match RTE gave him man of the match Adrian Mullen five points from play I think it was not to kind of put a lot of weight on one player but how important is it that he <coughs> reaches that level consistently for Kilkenny this year and becomes one of the star players in that forward line it's vital um, like you have a podcast coming out later this week uh, a bonus podcast we'll call it there with Michael Fenley Robbie that you know we were lucky to catch up with Michael last week mm. and off air we were chatting to him about 
the implication and it was implied not the implication it was being implied that Adrian Mullen might play in the backs for Kilkenny I think if we learnt Denton from Saturday is that Adrian Mullen won't be playing in the backs for Kilkenny anytime soon because you, you know you, you bang that drum regularly and you're right that there's a distinct lack of quality forwards you know them guys that are going to get you them finishes in games Adrian Mullen is one of them he will do it you know he's had to play necessity has pushed him out around midfield quite regularly for Kilkenny um, I actually think we need Adrian in the forwards as close to the goal as possible he, he he's well able to win his own ball but when he gets his chances you know he very rarely takes the wrong option he's he's superb if he's shooting he puts it over the bar or else he draws into players around but he was he was excellent um, on Saturday he really was excellent on Saturday and I think if you said if Kilkenny are going to win the All-Ireland which I think they will this year I still do nothing's changed my mind on that yet um, he's going to have to do it and I think Owen Cody is going to have to you know, you're going to be looking at five, six points from these lads from play every game. And that's not going to be easy, but that's what we're going to need. Just on Adrian Mullen, should that performance and ultimately, you know, two, three months down the line, nobody's going to remember it really, because even though it was a brilliant performance, it was only the second round of the league. Should that, though, from a Kilkenny perspective, just solidify the fact that he has to play in the forwards? Even if we're struggling in midfield, there needs to be other solutions there and we need to get one of our best players into his best position all of the time now. Yeah, look, I think it, it probably does. Um you know, unless somebody else puts up their hand. Adrian was brought back to midfield because, you know, there was gaps in midfield yeah. that needed to be filled in. I think what Derek is doing at the moment, playing Mikey Carey in midfield the other day, that's to me is a real signal of intent that, you know, that's something that we're going to consider. Um another option, if if midfield is an option and that's the type of player we want, John Donnelly, for me, is a massive workhorse, big engine the whole lot. John's not going to get you five, six, seven points from playing the game. It's not his type of game. Yeah. But his work rate will never be questioned. He'll go out in that field and he'll, you know, he'll never be outworked. His man will never outwork him, and I love that honesty in a player. So maybe if the struggle isn't real in midfield, if if it's not working and something happens, then it's the John Donnellys that you're looking to in the forwards to say, right, let's get John back into midfield. He's a big man, massive engine, works hard. But can we afford to take Adrian out of forwards? Not on that form. We can't. No way. Okay. I don't think so. What do you think? No, I think he should play in the forwards. Now, I think Kilkenny, uh, there's enough players that can play in the midfield. I don't think there's enough that can play in the forwards to just take it. One of your best players out. <clears> and I think Adrian Mullen should be in that half-forward line now, irrespective of what position he plays uh, in that half-forward line. I think he should be there. Um, just on the midfield, I mean, you said there that I was right about the forwards, but I mean, that's kind of a, a simple take, I suppose. You know, you don't get enough scores, you, you look at the forwards. But uh, people with a lot more knowledge than me have brought up the midfield over the last, not just year or so, but couple of years that Kilkenny can't find that pair in midfield that kind of the great teams have if you think about the great Kilkenny teams the likes of you know um, Chaff Fitz and Michael Fenley you had Richie Hogan and Conor Fogarty were, had great balance between them in 2014 um, some other great midfield pairings as well for so many counties down the years Kilkenny don't seem to be able to find that in recent years but again did this game maybe show us a, a glimmer of hope that Mikey Carey certainly and maybe even Keen Kenny in there that there's a good balance and that could be the future midfield duo for the Cats yeah it definitely does look Keen Keen Kenny is um, I'm a big Keen Kenny fan now mm. there's no point in saying I'm not I'm a massive fan of Keen Kenny I think he's I think he's a huge amount off around the middle of the field so um, every game he gets under his belt is, is big for me Mikey Carey this is an experiment now Mikey Carey's not even playing midfield with a club like I mean Mikey Carey be centre back or wing back you know um, but he has all the attributes to be a great midfielder he has that 
big engine. He he's honest. He'll work hard. I, do you know what as well? I think the game has evolved a small bit too. And sometimes, like when you with the Chaffitzes and the Michael Fenleys and, and and players of that ilk, even say, say Richie Hogan, there was a lot of ball going through midfield. A lot of ball bypasses midfields now. So your midfielders end up having to work as one of them has to be an extra defender and one of them has to be an extra attacker because the ball yeah. tends to bypass midfield. If you have a team playing a short game, they're trying to draw the midfield up on them. And if you have a team playing a long game, the midfield has to drop deep. Do, do you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? The, the midfield role itself has always been quite specialist but now more so than ever and I think what happens with management teams is to try and find that balance so if they look at Keane Kenny and Mikey Carey for example <coughs> Logic would have told you in your mind that Keane Kenny would be more the attack minded player and Mikey would be the more defensive type player but Mikey first ball he got he broke straight down the middle of the field like if he gets a run on you like you're not going to stop him he's a huge man He'd be the type of fella that'll get you goals from midfield. You know the type of he could break him forward at, yeah, at pace. Um, so I think it's about finding the balance, and I think what they're going to try and do this year, if Mikey is going to be playing in midfield, if that's if that's the plan for Derek, I think they'll want Mikey to be able to do both. And if it's Keane Kenny, the same thing. You're able to drop into them pockets and defend behind our half back line for a couple of minutes to absorb pressure. But likewise, when we're on the break, you need to be two extra forwards pushing forward for us. And um, it'll be exciting to see how it works out during the season. The point Michael Fenley made about Mikey needing a little bit of a run in the game team if he's going to get a chance at midfield, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Kilkenny are out. Um, they're off next week and they're yeah, out the week after. Sunday so the 25th. So yeah. the 25th. It'd be interesting to see if Mikey starts midfield that day. If you see Mikey getting two or three runs at midfield, well then, you know, this is the plan. Hmm. <laughs> I think... Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So, look, I, I, I hope he does. I think... I think Mikey's a huge amount to offer Kilkenny I said this to you he only really had one proper year in there so far he won't let anyone down he's super King Kenny the same I think they could make a great partnership but there's other there's other lads there still have to put their hands up Kevin Blanchfield as well um, he'll have a bit to offer too uh, at, at midfield so be interesting to see if if, if, if that's the plan going forward and, and if Mikey's going to be kept there but Definitely don't sacrifice Adrian one of them forwards to compensate for a, a, a problem in the midfield area. I would agree. Just just on that, Eddie, do you agree that Kilkenny need to find a midfield pair similar to, say, Will O'Donoghue, Will O'Donoghue and Darrow O'Donovan and Limerick, say, um, that are just there all the time, staples of the team, they're just always going to be there? And if you do agree with that, I suppose the next natural question is, who should those two be? Well, I can start by answering that one by saying I don't know. I think it's it's very early in the year to be nailing your colours to the mass on who your midfield pairing is going to be. Um, but I do agree. I actually think you need to have, and this is just for me now, but I actually think you need to have pretty much a stable team. And I think yeah. if you look at Limerick in general, they'll experiment all through the league and the whole lot. But if you look at their championship games, there's maybe one change here and there. It's yeah. a very, very settled team. And that's all across the board. And when you get a settled team, you get settled systems and everybody understands it. And then even, and like no one likes being this person, but there's impact subs as well. In rugby, instead of saying they're subs, they were called finishers. I don't know if you ever yeah, heard that yeah, quote. Yeah, yeah. I've and heard the, it, yeah. And the reason you say you're finishers is because it takes the the pain off of the fact that you're not starting <laughs> I'm telling you um, so when someone says what, what position are you playing on Sunday I'm, I'm not starting is the GEA method of no I'm not starting head down yeah, yeah. but when you end up in the real mindset of I'm one of the finishers my job is to come onto the field with 15-20 minutes to go some of the opposition players are going to be lagging a small bit and my job is to come in and finish the game it makes it 
so much more positive to not be starting on the pitch than negative. And I think that's what Limerick have at the moment, that they have a very strong balanced starting 15. And then if there's injuries, there's one or two lads can come in. But in every single match, Limerick almost make the same substitutions. And I think that's the measure of a really class team. And I think that's what Kilkenny have to, to have to get to. You'd love them to have, you know, I think at the moment for me, like, oh, Murphy is, is, is going to be in goal. Yeah. Hugh Lawler is going to be full back. Is Paddy Deegan going to be centre back? Is he going to be wing back? I don't know yet. Is John Donnelly going to be centre forward? You know, he would be for me. Unless TJ is, that puts TJ at a wing or do you put TJ in a full forward? I don't know. <clears throat> but what you would love to see happening now as the league progresses is get closer to that starting 15 and also get closer to them four or five finishers, as we're going to call them on the show from now on. The four or five finishers that you have a system where nine points up. We're going to see the game out. Defensive finishers come on. They, 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 they lock up Homestead. We're done. No more scores for us, but you're not getting any more scores either. We'll see it out. Or two-point game. Need to get somebody to turn the screw here and forwards. Bring in Robbie and Eddie in the two corner forwards. They'll do serious damage and, and, and away you go. And I think that's what Derek has to try and do. Just on one position with Kilkenny, uh, full forward. Uh, Luke Hogan played there uh, on Saturday night. Uh, it was his first game for Kilkenny, so I don't think it'd be fair. I thought he played quite well myself, but I don't think it'd be fair to just comment on uh, his future in full forward. But Luke Hogan was there. Liam Blanchfield played some of the Walsh Cup games. Um, we've seen Derek Link stick TJ Reid in there uh, in 2023. Do you think he's looking for a particular type of full forward, a very physical, strong one that can be used as sort of a not as not you know not kind of a, a barricade as such but somebody that the ball can go into it'll stick a bit like a Colin Fenley and players can play off it the likes of Owen Cody yeah I, see you have to have you have to have a variable hmm. targets inside do you get me yeah so it's it's, it's really going to come down to what Wakely Kenny are setting up up the field if they're going 15 on 15 six men inside and you want to have a big target man in there you know Luke Hogan fits that bill very strongly so does TJ fit that bill very strongly get in there cause a bit of mayhem in around the goal but then you know you want them I think positions in in Hurling now are nearly redundant so I could be starting with number 14 on my back playing right in front of this small square but I could be back in my own half back line five minutes into the match you know so it's interchanging at all times yeah. so I would say if you see a Luke Hogan or a TJ or even an own Cody in on the small square it's probably a very more direct form that'll be attacked for five or six minutes so TJ goes in at full forward they'll bomb four or five balls down on top of him in the hope that he's a brilliant hand like yeah. so you'd be hoping he'll win his own ball and the runner's off his shoulder but then TJ comes out into the half forward and maybe that's more of a signal that we're going to work the ball into space or we're going to try and work it through the lines but I don't think there's going to be a steadfast nailed on full forward do you get me I think yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah game dependent and even how games are running as well I mean sometimes you might look at it and say the opposition is pushed right up on top of Kilkenny so the, Kilkenny might be going with a short puck out and the opposition pushed right up in on top of them squeeze them so Kilkenny have to go long so then where's the puck out going to land so you need your puck out landing on your big men you need the lads that are going to be brilliant in the air to win their own ball so the likes of TJ or even a Luke Hogan might have to come out to the half forward line to win that ball and then you're looking for the pacey lads inside do you know the likes of your Billy Ryans or Owen Cody has pace to burn um, you know Harry Shine as well someone you know that bit of pace that you can strike it into the space and around them and let them run onto it so I just think it, it, it'll, it'll be mixed and matched to answer your question is it is there a specific type of full forward that Kilkenny are looking for I don't think so I think that they'll I think this year you'll see an awful lot of rotation in the forwards during the game 
So yeah. it won't be TJL start full forward, he'll go centre forward, he'll go wing forward, and that'll happen all around the place. So it depends. The game plan will be played around who's in the position. Okay. Just one last positive for myself. I thought Shane Murphy was brilliant at uh, <coughs> left half back. Um, but just to go to the negatives, I suppose, naturally, it's the next port of call um, were there, was there anything that worried you uh, in the game Eddie I suppose for me I, I mentioned it last week uh, Kilkenny allowing teams back into matches albeit they won it which is obviously the most important thing but nine points up looked like they were coasting in the first half and obviously it became one hell of a battle towards the end yeah um, okay the positive I would say is Cork took the lead in the second half and Kilkenny yeah, that's true. didn't buckle. That's true. Um, so that's a major positive for me because Kilkenny could have buckled and they didn't. Um, and the same against Wexford as well. I know Kilkenny should have finished it off at the end, but again, they didn't buckle, they yeah. didn't get beaten. So I'd see them as big positives. Um, Shane Murphy was brilliant at wing-back. You're dead right. Big negative there for me. Jordan Malloy appears to have broken yeah. his hand. So that's, yeah, that's really true. disappointing. So yeah. hopefully it's, I, I don't know how you don't break your hand seriously, but hopefully it's not too seriously <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and he gets another crack in there. Um, from From a negative point of view, Kilkenny were obliterating Cork early in the game because the Cork game plan was exactly what Kilkenny would have expected. It was short, passes were lateral, they weren't attacking aggressively, they were playing it over and back, over and back, over and back. Kilkenny would have been ready for that and Kilkenny dismantled them. Cork changed their game plan, Kilkenny took too long to adapt to that. And I think that's where the problem is you're on about teams getting your proper patch it's how slow Kilkenny are to adjust and that's not a slight and Derek on that it's it's on the field them on the field decisions um, Cork got a goal just before half time like what a terrible time to concede yeah, a goal yeah. first and foremost but the one thing I will say about that Cork goal was it was a long ball puck out was struck straight down on top of the half back line Cork won that puck out clean enough and the ball ended up at the back of the net very quickly I was watching the game in England and my phone was beside me and Twitter literally lit up with every expert in the GA and pundit and, and they are all experts and they are all former players and they're all geniuses even some of them aren't former players but they're all they all know everything anyway but what <laughs> I did see was the amount of smart remarks about Cork going along with a puck out uh, one person put it up saying the Cork management won't like this primitive stuff and you know I don't know why I don't know why people feel it necessary to to, to, to absolutely obliterate the short puck out you know it's it's nonsensical yeah Cork went along with a puck out if Cork had went along with 20 puck outs Kilkenny would have won 16 or 17 of them probably Do you know Kilkenny would have sat deep and mopped yeah. them up the fact that Cork went along with that puck out and changed what they were doing caught Kilkenny a little bit cold and that's how they got their goal do you know what I mean because Kilkenny had kind of left it a little yeah, bit more up because yeah, they were yeah. expecting short puck out yeah. so the opposite like I just I just thought that the, the way they all weighed into it the second half Cork couldn't have been poorer than they were in the first half in the second half anyway so the implication it's been it, it's, it's completely suggested now that Cork's game in the second half was more direct and hence the fact that they were more in the game I don't necessarily agree with that I think Cork's players came into the game a bit more in the second half they won their own individual battles and and there was like it was a pretty poor first half shown by Cork like let's call a spade a spade oh, it was awful. so improvement was going to be yeah, yeah. you know it was going to always happen it couldn't get worse yeah. no it couldn't so for me as I said I gave you the positives beforehand the negatives I would say was conceding the goal just before half time like if that's a championship match that's an absolute nail in the I was just going to say Eddie sorry to interrupt you but I was actually watching it uh, with some people and 
Kilkenny were cold. I mean, they were coasting now in the first half. And, you know, some people overuse that word, but really they were. And they're saying, oh, what's going on with Cork? They're absolutely dreadful, you know, blah, blah, blah. All the same stuff that you get in the middle of a match. And I did say, and I'm not saying it because it happened, I did say there's only going to be three or four points in it at half time when Kilkenny were nine up. And that would kind of slightly worry me in the sense that somebody who has very limited knowledge, like myself, could see that coming, not based off the match itself, but just off trends from the past. Would that worry you at all? That Kilkenny, you'd have no comfort or no belief that they're going to kill teams, even as poor as Cork, in the first half. Well, as poor as Cork were um, in the first half. That's that's the Cork are the poor team. That's the first... No, no I'm not saying yeah, that. No, but uh, genuinely, that's the first time Cork have lost back-to-back league matches in five years. So... That's that's what you're up against mm. as well. So I think there is an expectation teams will have their purple patch. I said it to you last week and I meant it. It's limiting the amount of damage that happens to you during them purple patches. Yeah. So did Kilkenny set up a defensive structure at 10 points up to say, right, let's get to halftime. Let's be 10 points up at halftime. I'll take that. Do, do you know that type yeah, of way? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> did, did they do that? I don't think they did. I think they kept plugging away where they were. They were trying to be, and this is the thing, Kilkenny were trying to do the right thing. They were trying to put Cork to the sword. That's exactly what they were doing. And unfortunately, Cork's purple patch started a little bit before halftime. I see your point about worrying about Kilkenny's inability to fully finish off a team. Um it was it was it was it was a bit of a worry, and then obviously the first ten or fifteen minutes of the second half, Kilkenny were cold. They were caught cold. Cork yeah. were really in the ascendancy at that time. Tails were up, um, but look, Kilkenny dug it out in the end, and, and and they got there. They got the one point win. Cork were, Cork were chronic now with some of their wides and stuff like that. They were really really bad. So bad in the first half, weren't they? They were, and even in the second half as well. Like Cork had many chances to to win this game. Like Kilkenny would have went home wondering how the hell did we win that. And Cork will be gone so, home yeah. saying, how the hell do we lose that? And Patrick Horgan got no score from play the other day. Mm. Um, do you know... God, like, Hugh Lawler was good at all. It was, look, but then, but why would you leave Patrick Horgan in there? Like, I mean, I'm not saying leave him, don't take him off, like bring him out somewhere else, I but jeez, but get him away from Hugh Lawler. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he has to offer something there. He got no score from play, he hit 10 frees over the bar. The Waterford match yesterday against Clare will tell you the importance of a good free taker. Kilkenny, sometimes, I actually listen to Kilkenny supporters and I kind of find it funny. Sometimes Kilkenny, they, they nearly take it as a conceit given that your free taker just puts every free over the bar because they're absolutely spoilt down through the years. Whether it was DJ Henry, now you're, you're you know, you're TJ there. And you've, they all overlapped as well. So there, was, ne- there was never even a period of, oh, their frees are a bit. Oh, we're a bit wobbly here. Yeah, yeah. But now, uh, the best free taker of all time right now in TJ Reid, like, I mean, that man's ice in his veins so he never misses like he misses one free in 50 probably and when he does the whole stadium is like oh my god how yeah, did he miss that the gasp. yeah like I remember the Galway game last year he missed a free from his own 45 in between his 45 and 65 out <laughs> touchline and he put a millimetre wide yeah. in the whole place and went oh, god almighty yeah you're like yeah, what's yeah, yeah. this useless lad at and I'm sitting there kind of going Jesus Christ how did he nearly how score how did he hit it that far yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but then Owen Cody is absolutely brilliant on freeze yeah he's doing well on that um, and then Billy Drennan of course doesn't miss freeze yeah. either Kilkenny are spoiled that way Waterford lost their free taker just for a point mm. Waterford lost their free taker yesterday I don't know what happened he he came off anyway and they really struggled then because they didn't have a plan B on freeze they missed a heap of freeze and probably would have won the game if, they'd, if he'd stayed on the freeze Patrick obviously gives Cork a huge amount because he again doesn't miss too many freeze either he's phenomenal Um but I just wondered, could could Corky utilise him a little bit better? A big positive, I suppose, to Huey, um, you know, really minced him there. Um, but I still I still think I'd be delighted that Kilkenny won the game. 
um, the biggest negative was throwing away a massive lead like that inability as you were saying to not finish out the game but for me it's more so the correcting of a system change on the pitch Derek can do that at half time you can't communicate 15 changes on the field the players have to manage them and have to own them themselves on the pitch yeah. and I think again the other day against Cork I would have liked to see a couple of the leaders on the pitch saying no no we need to plug that hole there plug that hole there see this out get the half time come in and then let Derek decide what we're going to do Okay, that's interesting. Just before we wrap on this game, Eddie, I I know he didn't score from play, but I just want to word on Patrick Horgan. Uh, what's your opinion on him? I, I, the class that the man has is incredible for me. Some of the touches the other day, he played a pass in that was just remarkable. I think it was to Kingston. Um, he just, he just, I love watching him. Always have. Yeah, look, <clears throat> he's phenomenal. Um, best days definitely in the rearview mirror oh, now. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah. Look, he's he's a phenomenal hurler. He's been an absolutely brilliant servant to uh, Cork hurling. Um, if they're relying on him to win the All Ireland for them this year, they're, they're in big trouble. Um, I think for all. Do you skilling. think they are? Do you think they're still a half a one man team? Yeah. Um, oh really? Well, I don't know. Like Conor Lahan was excellent. Again, the other day, it's not that they're a one man team. Patrick Horgan was in and out of that team last year and stuff, you know. Um, he's not a guaranteed starter. Like he's not. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know. I think, I think, I think Patrick's been. He's been around a hell of a long time now, and I think it'd be very unfair of me to dismiss him as a player in the championship this year. But at the same time, I'd be very disappointed if Patrick Horgan was after blitzing two or three goals past Kilkenny in an All Ireland semi final. Not only would I be disappointed, I'd be absolutely stunned if he did that. There's no way he'd get two or three goals off Hugh Lawler right now Hugh Lawler's in his absolute prime Patrick Horgan in his prime seven or eight year ago would have struggled on Hugh Lawler Okay Interesting. That's just my opinion now. And Just on Horgan um, he's up there with kind of Joe Canning and TJ Reid in terms of scores uh, of the last 10 or 15 years since maybe kind of Henry Shefflin and players like that moved on um, and that generation is are they the three best that you've seen? Um, or is Horgan a bit below that? No, no, Jesus Christ, he's not. No, no, I'm on about Horgan today. Oh, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, Patrick Horgan is definitely in that mould there. Um, one million percent, you have Patrick Horgan. Lark Corbett, I, uh, maybe I'm... Yeah, but that's kind of Henry's era, I suppose, what I'm um, saying, yeah. Yeah, but Patrick Patrick Horgan definitely um, is is right up at the very, very, very top of it. Okay. Um, so is Joe Canning, so is TJ. I'd, I'd have TJ a little bit ahead of the two lads now, um, but that's... Pure um, bias, but I do think I do think I always, I think he's the greatest hurler of all time. Um, You're not far off it anyway. But, but it, genuinely, yeah, I do. Like yeah. I'd, I'd have I'd have TJ number one, and then you'd be looking at Henry, Tommy Welch. That, that's where I'd be coming in for 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 me. Mm. Um, sorry, I'd have TJ number one, then Henry, Tommy Welch. Yeah. So Patrick Horgan, where would he slot in? I, I'd have him right there with with the Joe Cannings, the Henry Sheffins. He is he's one of the all time greats now. Um, definitely in the last 15 years he's 100% in the top 3 yeah so he's going to be one of the greatest players if not the greatest to never win in All-Ireland it's looking like yeah see Joe Joe was always favourite to have that yeah, accolade and he course, got his All-Ireland yeah, yeah. Um, yeah but you know what you know every like one team wins and everybody else doesn't That's um, so I wouldn't and, and the other thing as well is there's no God given right to win All-Ireland titles either um, you know my own county at home is no All-Ireland titles at home West, Desi Dolan is one of the best footballers of all time he's no All-Ireland medals although if you hurl for Cork for as long as he did you would expect to win at least one wouldn't you you would but it's been a long time since Cork won it I'd say you know, 19 he, years yeah. 19 years I mean like Patrick's probably 12 or 13 when the last one the other one. what's he 34 or 5 now hmm it's crazy though, isn't it? Nineteen years for Cork. Just when you think about it, it is. It is. Um, but sure, look, you're, you're getting these 
teams are getting runs Limerick having a run at the moment Kilkenny had the big run there as well Tip you know there hasn't been a huge amount of teams outside of them three winning All-Ireland titles like it's mm-hmm. you know throwing Galway is that it maybe Clare Galway and Clare won one, one each you know so I mean it's, it's, it, it is what it is unfortunately um, is Patrick Harden going to ever win an All-Ireland no it's the answer um, can you see Cork winning the All-Ireland this year you know strangely I could but I don't think they will but I think if they came out of Munster which I think they could I think they'd be a good team in Croke Park because I I think if they came out of Munster they'd have momentum behind them they must have done something right and the confidence would build and yeah. then I think they'd have a good chance in Croke Park um, but I, I don't think they will win the All-Ireland but you know I think that, I think that I thought they'd win the league so that's not going to happen um, but uh, I think they might have a good year Cork OK no no yeah. I disagree I think that's fair I think, um, I think they'll, they'll, they'll go okay they, they might they might come out of Munster if that'll be a good year for me they won't win the Ireland okay uh, fair enough we'll move it on to the other results Eddie uh, Division 1A uh, that's obviously Kilkenny and Cork's division Wexford had a draw with Offaly a uh, very dramatic and entertaining draw on Saturday evening that actually opened the weekend and another very tight game was in Walsh Park yesterday Clare were one point winners over Waterford in Division 1B some tight games here as well actually Dublin only won by a single point against Antrim 120-119 Limerick only won by 6 points against Westmeath that game was level at half time so the All-Ireland Champions just about coming out on top in Mullingar and one of the games of the weekend saw Tipperary defeat Galway by 4 Five points. Just to go back to Kilkenny's division there, Division 1A. Um, you called it, Wexford and Offaly. You said it was going to be tight. Uh, you couldn't believe how heavy favourites Wexford were with the bookies and uh, very much so vindicating what you said. Yeah, um, look, the, the, the point that I, I was making uh, to yourself and, and in the, the hurling group that we have as well on the phones mm. that the listeners were privy to. That to be fair, to. nobody else really agreed with you. Um, I want to say that. Yeah, no thanks, Robbie, because it's, no, no, it's nice to be right. Um, and I did put in the comment yesterday saying I was glad I'm not going mad. But yeah, the, yeah. the problem, the, not the problem, but I, when I seen the betting in this match, Wexford were 1-12 to and Offaly were 8-1. to And I said, hold on a second now. This Offaly team we've spoken about Michael Dignan as the chairman of Offaly's county board the improvements he's made in Offaly like if we really believe that Offaly shouldn't be 8-1 to one to be beating Wexford in a match that was first and foremost and then the second thing is the Offaly under 20s and minors over the last couple of years there's been some really big green shoots oh yeah so as a result of that I kind of thought Keith Rossler is coming with a very young Wexford team that he's trying to establish he's peppering in a few of the older players but he's bringing in all these young lads around him they're going to be taking on an Offaly team that's going to be heavily weighted with these young lads as well that are coming through if you get me and these Offaly lads are going to have no real fear for Wexford because underage they've been beating them all the way up along so that's where I thought it would be very close it was a good game without being a brilliant game it was live on, on TG Car so mm-hmm. um Interesting. Some interesting refereeing decisions in the game. Um, we might get on to that. We'll get on to that there, but just yeah. on the game itself. The game was a good. It was a good game. It was a good battle. Wexford would be raging with themselves. They, they, they should have been winning that game to pick up from drama Kilkenny last week. They'd be very annoyed. Um, Offaly will be delighted. Um, probably Offaly be a bit pissed off as well because they should have won. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, will they be? Yeah, no, yeah. they will. They'll be disappointed they didn't win, but they didn't lose. So, look, their season's up and going now. Um, and it was a decent performance on the back of I said to you the last day against Waterford they actually played really well and it was only in the last 10 or 15 minutes that Waterford kicked on so look awfully I think their next game is in Nolan Park against Kilkenny um, they won't be they won't be they won't be winning that 
Well, um, we're in trouble if they do. Um, <laughs> That'll be some podcast. Kilkenny, <laughs> um, Kilkenny will be kicking on now. Yeah, yeah. So we'll I think, I think so, yeah. um, that that Kilkenny are only going to keep getting stronger now. So I think um, I, I'd, I'd fully expect Kilkenny to have to win that game. It's not, it's not, it's not a must-win game, as they say. But they do need to win. No, or the yeah, league, or the league is over. Match, yeah. um, but look, good game. Wexford will be very disappointed. On paper, awfully will also be disappointed because they should have won the game as it happened. Uh, when we talk about refereeing decisions and all that, we can chat a few, a few refereeing decisions later on. One thing that did happen um, after the match, and I kind of I found this really funny. Keith Roster was being interviewed. I don't know if you've seen this. Keith Roster got it. That's no. ah, brilliant. Keith Roster is a pure gentleman, and when you see oh, the yeah. interview, he's. He, do, he doesn't get Key Rosser would kill you now as well he's a real tough boy he was some defender he was like, brilliant earlier yeah. but he was interviewed straight after the match Wexford had a player sent off um, so like, you're going to be pissed off if you're the manager yeah. you know so he said he, he said to him um, the red card Keith uh, were you disappointed with the red card or whatever <clears throat> and you know the usual oh I didn't get to see it yeah, uh, yeah. TG Carr they're not taking that <laughs> they had a screen in front of him they showed him the replay. Oh, they do that now, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, this, they is, do that, this is your yeah. red card here now, Keith. Brilliant idea, isn't it? But it's not if it's the wrong call by the oh, ref. It's like, no, Keith, there's a microphone there in front of you. You're wound up to the nines. You've just drawn a match that you should have won. And here's a red card that should have been a red card. I, thought, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I did find it funny. Now, when they did, show, they did show the slow down replay, the Wexford player should have got a red card. But the Offaly player should have been oh, sent yeah, off as well. Yeah. The two of them had the face guards did, grabbed yeah. and pulled each other And the Offaly player first, I thought. Yeah, he did. He pulled his hand back. And it yeah. looked like the Wexford player was defending himself. He was, yeah. I thought he was just almost trying to get him yeah. off. This is it. And that's what it looked like to me. He was defending himself and he was pushing him away grabbing his face guard. Referee is unsighted because he's... The Offaly player's back is to the referee. You with me? Yeah. So he can see the Wexford player's hand coming in and grabbing the face guard. He can't see the Offaly player's yeah, hand. Yeah. To be fair. But Keith Roster's reaction... Instantaneous was uh, your man said, "Is that a is that a red card for the Wexford player?" Key Ross said, "Yeah, hundred percent. That's definitely a red card for Wexford player." However, I think the Offaly player should have been sent off as well. The two of them of each other's face guards grabbed. I've no problem with our red card, he said, but he should have got a red card too. And I just thought, well done, Keith. Your blood pressure must be well double what it's oh, meant to be. Yeah. You're wound up. TG Carter think it's intelligent to show you this, and you mark my words on this now, Robert. I'm telling you. There is going to be a riot at a match one of these days when they put that camera in front of a manager. Do you think that's what you're trying to achieve, though, Eddie? 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine giving me, like he did, I'll oh tell you, I'll give gosh. you an example. Yourself and Shane doing your Sunday sports show taught when the goal, the ghost, the goal that wasn't given in the O'Loughlin Gales yeah, game, yeah. you said, well, do you know who we'll ring now? Who would be very calm and not at all wound up? We'll give Eddie a ring and just let him go on the yeah. national, on the, on the airwaves for everybody to listen to him absolutely going bananas. And I didn't disappoint in the end. No, it was, it was fantastic radio. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I think TG Catter are going the same route and I just I know this will backfire because there'll probably be a referee strike yeah, or something course, um, yeah. but interesting I did I did, I did, did find that really funny but draw fair results um, suits Kilkenny as well that draw let's Does, call yeah. it yeah, yeah. and then um, Clare beating Waterford tight enough game won it by a point as I said to you Waterford I'm telling you last 15-20 minutes of that game if Waterford had a free taker they'd have won that match um, they'd be really disappointed that was the official opening of Walsh Park yeah, yesterday as well I don't know if it was the official official opening but it was the first first inter-county game there it wasn't sold out and I didn't think it looked like a huge crowd there I'm waiting for someone to give me the stat on it but I'd say the Watford supporters last year they're always like they're like Wexford they're so passionate they come in numbers and they have done even over the last number of years when Watford have been struggling do you think they've could 
There's a lot of talk that they've just completely soured to Davy Fitzgerald, even this early in his second reign. Do you think that's the case? Because usually Walsh Park would be full to the nines. Like, I was surprised because when I seen it there, I don't know if it's if it's if it's voting with their feet or what's going on but it just it, to me it looked like a small enough crowd I'd have said something if it was lashing out of heavens yesterday it was a horrible day yeah now there could have been a crowd where the camera was in fairness that's I think that thing. stand was full like I think okay, that stand yeah. on the far side was pretty full um, I just look just for me there was 17,000 people in Parky Cueve for a Cork Kenny match the other night in, on a Saturday night which is not like it's not ideal for Kilkenny fans to be going down to Cork on a Saturday night for a hurling match and it's just staying over and that becomes really expensive very early in the year like Christmas was only five weeks yeah, ago yeah no like. you weren't staying over after um, the bank holiday and all that no it's just, it's just I, ju- I just think when the fixtures are being done that was done purely for TV like um, but if that game if the game in Parky Cueve had been on Sunday at 3 o'clock I'd say there might have been 25,000 people at it do, do, do you know that type of way I think you might have had more yeah. Kilkenny fans travelling down but look um, I, I don't know if it's the Waterford fans souring to Davy. we'll see that during the year there's no county like Waterford that let on to bandwagons they're worse oh, than me now do you know what I mean like the, the, yeah, you'll yeah. see me and my sombrero and, <laughs> and, and my purple and gold jersey tracksuit jacket I won't have that. to be handed to you either. not at all I have my home and home and house ready to go if Wexford gets to the All-Ireland final you'll see me schlebbing in here singing purple and gold and the whole lot so um, but Waterford their they, supporters they are a passionate bunch of people um, but I still think if Waterford get a couple of wins they'll get behind Davy fairly quickly and he needs to do that yeah I think they will um, Division 1B Eddie I mean a word on your own County Westmeath that was a really really good performance against Limerick only losing by 6 points as I said level at half time uh, must have took immense pride in that yeah I did and to be honest like, like obviously I couldn't see the game but like I was listening to it on, on um, Sunday Sport I was, I was listening to the Carlo game as well kind of switching in and yeah. out and like when they come up that it was half time in the game and it was a draw game I was kind of saying Jesus you know like what a scalp this could be you know yeah. and then you start to dream in the whole lot but even uh, yeah. if you'd have told me before the match that like you think about it Limerick went up and beat Antrim in Semple Stadium they won by 20 plus points mm. like to get them an awful pounding yeah. and you kind of feared for Westmead it was going to be a similar fate awaiting them Um that's a really, really strong performance by Westmead. Losing by six points to the All Ireland champions, Joe Fortune, most underrated manager in the country, anyway, uh, Wexford man, probably you know was one of the favourites. I would have thought for the Wexford job. He clearly didn't go for it, um, in my opinion. Um, but look, Joe's doing a solid job, Westmead, and I think that was a really, really good performance. Galway and Tip flipping onto that game, Rob. I know you said it was one of the good games of the weekend. It wasn't great now. It was one of the big games. A big game, not, yeah. Not a good game. Um, there was, there's one lad there for Tipperary. I hadn't, I heard of him last week, but I hadn't heard of him before then. Garrod O'Connor. Yeah. He scored 113 yesterday. Um, risk or reward situation. Got a penalty late in the game. Have to give credit to the referee as well. Applied the rules perfectly. Wrestled to the ground. Black card penalty. A couple of minutes to go in a match. It was the right decision. Very rarely made and he gave the right decision and Garrett O'Connor gave a snaky look over to the line and in fairness to the tip manager there was a real cute pointing down the way go for the goal I think there was only two points in it at the time mm. if that was me I'd have been saying tap it over the bar but mm. that's why I'm not managing Tipperary <laughs> but he, he, he duly obliged buried it game over um, Henry's going to need to uh, get Galway Motor in there as well he is O'Shea in there with him now as well as part of that backroom team yeah. um, you know Realistically, after losing that game, now they're going to have to beat Limerick um, to get yep. to the yeah. league. Uh, the latter stages of the league, they're going to have to beat Limerick um, because they'll win their other games. Um, look, call a spade a spade. But that 
possibly adds to how good Westmead's performance against Limerick was. They got the living stones bet out in the week before by Galway. So, do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think they were beating yeah. 20 odd points, or well, yeah, maybe yeah, I'm being harsh, are, yeah. but they were beaten comfortably by Galway the week before. So, um, good result there. The final one, Antrim and Dublin. Uh, God. Dublin were poxed. They were absolutely blessed. Dublin got a goal, you know this, don't you? I've heard about it, yeah. They got a goal, last puck of the game. Yeah. Keeper dropped the ball. It was it was nothing it wasn't a shot it was maybe going for a point I don't know keep fell into the net the ball dropped into the back of the net Dublin are coming out of Leinster this year not a hope uh, unless there's something at play that we don't know but Dublin no I think if Dublin come out of Leinster and you know if we presume that's going to be Kilkenny and Galway top two Wexford Hurl must have gone back so much more than I thought Wexford had a bad year last year and mm. I wouldn't be judging them on solely on that they did have a bad year last year like you were looking at I had to laugh the other day Carlo down a division they're, they're, they're after winning two games really comfortably they yeah. really put me to the sword yesterday as well Carlo were tipping along nicely Carlo looked good I know it's only division two so it's hard to read it it is but lot. you know what though I'm telling you where the best ticket for a match this year is going to be Netwatch Cullen Park Carlo versus Wexford and Dublin I think I was saying this to you I think those two games Carlo are going to win one um, they I just are, don't know which one do you know what if Carlo beat Dublin it's a great result but it's not I know yeah it's, it's not yeah, beating your neighbours yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Wexford lads are getting a bit pissed off with the Carlo lads too like because Carlo are always if Wexford play Kilkenny tomorrow morning the whole of Carlo's wearing purple and gold jerseys as well Carlo shout for Wexford like yeah, yeah. Carlo see a bit of a wounded animal in Wexford and they think they're there and Wexford I'm telling you now Wexford are no wounded animal Keith Rosser will get a tune out of Wexford but when Carlo play Wexford in Netwatch Cullen Park it's going to be a full house of the boys in their red, green and yellow jerseys as famously referred to as the rotten jersey there one time by a manager but they can literally Carroll turn up they'll turn up en masse Wexford travel en masse as well I think genuinely it has all the markings of an absolute belter Hmm. and I think Carroll were brewing nicely there now they've leashed in two weeks time in the league to win that they're guaranteed a league final so they'll they'll be laughing cruising along Wexford unbeaten as well they've two draws it'll be interesting to see how the rest of their league campaign goes now they've a couple of tough games coming um, but keep one eye out for that one Robbie that's a game we'll want oh, to have yeah, no, tickets I am. for no 100% we'll be live on the radio if people are stuck uh, to get to it and uh, really looking forward to the Leinster Championship this year I have to say looking forward to the Championship in general before that to uh, matters a little bit closer to home at the moment um, I mentioned there that you wanted to speak about Eddie the standard of refereeing this weekend yeah, it's not the standard. It's not the actual standard of the refereeing. I just think it's like Waterford got a goal yesterday. Watch the goal back. If you get a chance to watch the goal back. Now, maybe I'm being harsh, but I think I counted. It was either 10, 11, 12 or 13 steps for the goal. Like, I don't know, you know, how, how it can be done. So that was number one. Um, there was at least at least 10 steps for the Waterford goal number two was the hand pass in the Carlo game against Mead yesterday the referee blew for three or four early in the game throwing balls in the Cork Kilkenny match there must have been seven that I seen in the first half that weren't blown for it, it seems to me at the highest level they're never pulled and at the lower and I don't mean this disrespectfully to the in the lower division games they tend to be blown every single time so three big ones for me steps hand passes and then the last one 
in the tip Galway game yesterday when it was in the melting pot that game got back to level with about five minutes to go Galway broke down the field and there was a Galway player fouled right the referee didn't see it whatever happened the, the game stopped the referee consulted with his linesman and an indirect free was subsequently given to Galway now it was I thought it was a direct free first of all but it was an indirect free it was a certain score yeah. but he couldn't shoot because it was an indirect free now they got a point off it but the commentator made a point and he was so right and I didn't notice he said if that was a soccer match the linesman would have flagged straight away there's a foul here in front of me flag referee blows the whistle come take the free that doesn't happen in hurling why don't linesmen flag fouls if I'm refereeing the game and I'm 60 yards away from the play it's a hurling match the ball's drilled down the field if the linesman's there in front of you and the corner forward is being dragged back by the corner back and the ref can't see it why can't the linesman put his flag up and wave it do you know they're not allowed to are they allowed to no do any are they allowed to communicate there's a foul here I don't know. I don't know. But that wasn't the free. The free wasn't given. It was an indirect free because they're breaking down in play and he's subsequently is a jude a judge that Galway had possession. So that's why there was an indirect free. He didn't say it was a foul. Oh, that's ridiculous. But this is what's happening and I, I, I'd love somebody in a better position than us to explain this to us. So the lads are on about oh we could do with two referees or three referees and they'll change the name of linesmen as well. They're now called line umpires. Uh, sure. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but that's all talking gesture stuff, isn't Lying it? Lying umpires. Well, I think it's to make sure that they don't think they've anything to do with the referee of the game because they're only lying umpires. That's degrading, in a way, isn't it? Well, I, I, honestly, I don't know. And I'm not getting on. I'm not giving out with referees before I go into another championship season of suspensions and feeling that I'm being victimised. But yeah. the truth of the matter is, I'm not blaming referees here. I'd love for somebody in the refereeing world. I've, I, I have a few referees that I know quite well, <clears throat> and I should have probably rang them this morning. It was a bit early coming into record, so I might ring a few of them this week and just ask that question. But from what I could gather yesterday in that match, if you're at a soccer match, Robbie, in a Premier League game. Player breaks down the wing, he's fouled, the linesman flags it. It doesn't happen in Hurling. When was the last time you seen a linesman throwing a flag up and waving it in no, the air? No, it doesn't happen. That's it. So, never mind giving us three referees to where referee matches. Give linesmen a bit more authority on the side of the field. That should have been a goal were free yesterday. Evan Nyland would have stuck it over the bar and the game would have been level. As it happened, the indirect free did hit a goal with player and it did end up over the bar. It wasn't a game-defining yeah. incident. But for me... I think if we're going to pull steps, illegal hand passes and fouls like that, the linesmen have to be allowed to flag for freeze. And I think the GEA need to look at that and address it immediately and not at a level where it's at the linesman's discretion what he does. Mm. That's not how it works. They turn around and say to the linesmen, you're on the side and women, line umpires I think they're called now, wave. If there's a foul, throw the flag up in the air and wave it. Simple as. Okay. I'm sure we'll come back to this as the season goes on. Um, another thing that I'm sure we'll be speaking about a lot, but we're going to open it up today, is the short game. And you very briefly alluded to it there that, uh, as you quote-unquote call them, the geniuses uh, given out about kind of going short when you should be going long and, and it's primitive hurling and all of this stuff. What are your kind of issues with that, Eddie? Do you think it's just a way too simple way of looking at the game and that people have seemingly not just being incapable of evolving but are actually frustrated about evolving at all yeah see there's there's kind of there's two sides to that one like people don't like defensive hurling as such so you can blame whoever you want to blame for this but obviously Davy Fitz played with a sweeper system at Waterford I think that was was there one before that you know 
actual standout straight defensive. I can't think of one. No, no, I was very young before that, so I don't know. But well, see, Kilkenny would have always played. Deep, deep half hours wasn't it I'm not, not going to tell it on the podcast everybody know what they're doing then I won't go on I'm only slacking what Kenny would have done traditionally was a midfielder drop into the half back like into the centre back yeah. position and centre back would be loose so by definition it's a false sweeper he's there but it's only for the puck outs yeah they're clogging it up to try and win the ball but for the puck out yeah because back then if you were a goalkeeper and you yeah, struck yeah. the ball to your cornerback, the manager would take you off. Well, Don Logue did it, didn't he? Yeah, but he kind of started that. He did, yeah, to be to him. Um, he, he, but he, a revolutionary. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> but what I would say is, what happens was, I think Don Logue really studied the game a bit himself and he looked at his own pokeouts and stats. He was one of these guys that really lived on his own stats. And what he'd look at was, if I go with the risk or reward one of a drilling the ball straight down the field, we'll win 15% of them clean, we'll get 8% of them and end up in scores. If I go to my corner back, we'll retain possession 100% of the time. And, you know, th- that's the idea of it. So, to explain this, so f- basically, when you played against Kilkenny, Kilkenny would have had a midfielder dropping into the half-back line allowing for a loose half-back to then pick up the breaks off the back of them 50-50 contests. So then you had teams saying, right, how do we beat Kilkenny? Because they're the big successful team. So in order to beat Kilkenny, you have to draw Kilkenny onto you. So you need to draw them on and then try and find the space in behind them. And that's where... Davy Fitz started playing with his sweeper system and then what that creates is this whole cat and mouse system I remember Tipperary playing Waterford I think it was in a Munster final it was a Munster final or semi-final and all the Munster, all the tip forwards all spread it in right in on top of the sweeper so you ended up with six forwards in on top of the sweeper and the puck out went straight down on top and what that done was it negated the advantage the sweeper had in the sense that if the ball breaks he's the free man now what happened was if the ball breaks there's five other Tipperary men in there and I think Tip got four or five goals that day like it was brilliant that the day they got seven no seven goals seven. there you are you're dead right I think it was 719 to 19 points or something no. mad like that yeah. so there you are but if you watch that back it was again but what had happened was Tipperary had studied the Waterford setup, the system and this is how they were going to break it down they didn't go and play that in every game so what happens is team comes up with systems the best team comes up with what we would define as the best system and then everybody has to then turn around and try and beat that system so long winded answer there so that was how this all began and how this all is. so you hear lads saying oh Kenny didn't play with tactics under Cody they just drilled the ball down the field that's a lot of shite now. Yeah, yeah. So that's not true. Kilkenny did. Brian Cody was tactical in the way he's done. Everything was planned and rehearsed. And if it didn't, Kilkenny knew what was coming and yeah. they had that. Limerick do as well. So what I what I was saying to you, you listen to all these fellas about drive it long, drive it long, drive it long. Cork score a goal the other day. Fortuitous enough now as well. But the keeper goes with a long puck out just coming up to half time. Cork win the ball in their half back, in the Kilkenny half back line. They break in and score a goal. If they'd done that in the first minute of the game and got a goal off, what would Kilkenny have done for the next puck out? Change it up. They'd have dropped men back yeah. to be ready for that. But what would happened was, this was in the 35th minute of the first half. Kilkenny had pushed right up on the Cork puck out because Cork were going short with everything mm. and then the gaps were there. Do you get me? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, what 100%. happens then straight away is you take out that one puck out that resulted in a goal and you use that as a drum to beat every other puck out that went before it. And I think it's too simplistic Um I think be careful what you wish for everybody seems to be wanting that teams go 15 on 15 I think it's only a matter of time before the call starts coming about time with the rules that once you go past the 45 you can't go backwards and once you go past and in I'm hurling telling, I think it, what's happening now is what happened in football everybody denies it now 
Everybody denies it now, but the reason the shit show of football is the way it is is because of all of these people on the Sunday game and all of these stuff giving out stones about everything in football. In the name of God, imagine you get a free in Gaelic football for catching the ball. That's scandalous, though. That's 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 because lads on the Sunday game and all these lads getting their little platforms whinged and moaned that the art of catching the ball was gone out of the business. Then we played this chronic. Were they wrong? What? Were they wrong? They weren't wrong that it wasn't happening. But let it evolve. Teams will win the All Ireland fielding the ball, and away you go. Curry are playing this mad attacking football. Do you know? And everyone, if Curry go and win a couple of All Irelands playing attacking football, everyone will start playing attacking football. I'm telling you, Robbie, that's how it works. But this Gaelic football, what happened was we the compromise rules with the Aussies. I love them actually. The compromise rules. I know they were chronic old games, but the old scraps they used to happen off the ball and they stopped yeah, all that too. Yeah. Took the fun out of that as well. International rules. Um, the international rules. As compromise. The, as the younger compromise people rules. Call it. Compromise rules. Yeah, yeah. But she used to be just all out war for ah, the threw a ball and yeah, let them yeah. bed lumps out of yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. But it was brilliant. But what happened was the mark got introduced in Gaelic football to try and encourage the ball being pumped down the field. And it's pure rubbish. I think it's a rubbish rule. No, it is. But I think what happens is, is there going to be a hurling mark? Is there going to be a mark that oh, if you catch a ball... Be. Hold on. I can tell you now, Robbie, in the 90s, when I was a young fella playing football, if I got told you're going to get a free for catching the ball around midfield, I'd have laughed at you. Just for catching the ball. I'm telling you, be careful what you wish for. Oh, I agree that these things can happen, and you know it's easy to say now that they're never going to happen. But you know things evolve and change very, very quickly, as we all know. But what I'm saying is, however bad hurling gets, I don't think it can get anywhere near as bad as what football did. In my opinion, you're never going to see a seven points to six game in hurling. No, you're not. But what I'm saying to you, Robbie, is the problem is if you start tinkering with the rules then you could have a situation. If the tinkering with the rules turn around and say we're going to put in a hurling mark, so if a puck out is struck between the half a line and the opposition 65 and it's called clean, you get it free. No. Well then, teams like Carroll would be bombing balls down on top. Like, I wouldn't be too worried. All the lads giving out about Cork's negative play against Kilkenny the other day, what was the final score in that match? 117 to 21 points. Like, in, in, in shitty enough conditions on a Saturday night, 117 to 21 points. Not that bad. I've seen All-Ireland finals and matches from the 1980s and stuff they weren't getting near them scores. Oh, 99, sure, famously. Cork and Kilkenny, I think it was 13 12. They was lucky to be that much. Do you know, London scored 330 at the weekend against Wicklow's 120. Kildare 120, Leash 321. They're not then when you see those scores people give out about uh, the uh, weight of the ball don't they the ball's too light yeah, yeah but yeah. then I wonder where it's just in. human nature Eddie, that we just give out and that's it and we, if we get on with it and just ignore all the, the loud mouths we'll be alright in our podcast we don't use to anybody either because all we do is fucking give out Robbie let's call it <laughs> I loved when you call the lads with their little platforms I was like isn't that just us <laughs> yeah but <laughs> I, I, I think but, but what I do think <laughs> this is exactly what it is actually yeah. but, but see the point that I make is it's not that I'm pro short puckouts no, what I'm what pro mean. is I'm, I'm pro winning yeah so whatever you need to do to win that's what you should do so if it's go short play to your own strengths What's wrong with doing that? Oh, I agree with you. But I suppose if you look at the, the betterment, do you think just on the, the, we could go around circles on this, do you think the lads given out, because some of them have had the most incredible careers on the pitch, it has to be said, do you think it's lazy analysis and they're leaning on what they did on the pitch rather than informed analysis heightened by what they did on the pitch? So are you saying that their opinions are based on what they experienced on the field themselves or I, 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 explain is that. it just a bit like I've won 
X amount, I think it should be played like this. And if anybody questions me, well, I've won X amount. Rather than, no, this is what is happening. This is why it's not good what's happening. I'm going to explain that, and this is what should happen. Yeah, well, see, you take me with... How many All-Irelands have I got? I have one, two, three, none. Okay? So, I'm coming from a supporter of the game. I'm coming from that side of it. So are you, Robbie. My opinion is equally as valid as a person that's won 20 All-Ireland medals. Not that there is any. It's equally valid. His argument can be made from a bit of a higher, not a bit, a much higher spot. If Henry Shefflin calls for a rule change or something like that, this is a guy that's won multiple All-Irelands. He's managed at the highest level and the whole lot. But then, if you look at your pundits on TV and they're commenting on X, Y and Z, so... If you have to manage at the highest level, should you not be allowed to comment on the setup of an opposition team or the, your own team because you didn't manage the highest level? You know, if if we only had pundits based on All Ireland winners, and but you had to manage the game as well, we'd have no pundits. So I think what happens is sometimes they get a bigger platform because of their experience in it. But what I would say is when we put up arguments here, I genuinely try and give solutions. But that's what I mean. You're trying. It, people might agree. People might disagree. But at least you're you're giving it a go. You're trying to inform yourself as best as possible, and then come at this sort of a conclusion on it. Where sometimes it feels with these lads, I'm not going to point out anybody in particular, but it's a bit like, look, I just think this is the way it is. And if you ask them why, they don't really want to educate themselves or inform themselves or adapt maybe to kind of it being ten years on from their post playing career. They just want to say, well, you know, that's my opinion. And to be honest with you, if you disagree with me, you haven't done as much in the game and. That's life. Yeah, I'd, I'd hope people wouldn't think like that. Just, just, just on platforms and, and opportunities to have a, a moan. Like the build-up to the Cork game the other day against Kilkenny, and you're leading me nicely into this now. Yeah, yeah. Don Logue just had a, and I, I don't even know how to describe this, right? And you see all the stuff in the newspapers today as well. He just had this mad rant. Yeah. Right. So, I just I just scribbled down a few notes on 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 his rant. Okay. So, I don't know how much parking we've cost to be built. Um, some part of that rant, the word ninety six million was thrown in there, mm. and then at some point in the rant, it was thirty million. So somewhere between thirty million and ninety six million built parking we've. I don't know which it was. I think word it was he saying maybe that it was originally supposed to be thirty million and it had gone up to ninety six. Don't know. A, f- a friend of mine did say to me this morning that one person that would have been happy about the whole Parky Queef project was the builder. Um, and super value. Uh, super value now. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, but, like, I, I, I took a few notes on it, right? So, first of all, he said the only impact Parky Queef's cost and overspend was going to be had on was going to be had on the players. That was strange, wasn't it? Well, I know the point he was trying. I don't know. Because Joanne Cantwell is producing and she should have stopped them. She was very good now in this whole thing because it's very hard to listen to someone having just a full on rant. I and thought she be, was good. She gets he can be a little bit yeah. aggressive sometimes yeah. as well. And I don't mean aggressive as in. No, but, but he's he, in your face, isn't he? He like, is, yeah, he can be. Um, and I'd say I, 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 I'd struggle there. But he said the only people that this is going to impact on is the players, right? So. I would have said, well, how so? And I'd say what he's going to say is the funding that would have been made available to these boards and everything else now isn't available because it's all has been mopped up inside in the expenses that's been built on the stadium. But I actually would argue that the supporters are going to be affected by this uh, overspend on the stadium because ticket prices to get into these but games... But do you think that's, that was his point, though, that ticket prices they might go up, but that's based off 
the quality of entertainment that the players produce. So how it's going to be paid back is from ticket income. Ticket income comes from inter-county players playing at the highest level that thousands and thousands of people are interested in and pay to watch. The overspend on this stadium is only going to impact the Cork players. That's what Don Logue said. That's point number one. That's what he meant. There was no how, why, anything. I don't know what he meant. I, I genuinely thought he meant there wasn't going to be the funding there anymore. And the point that I'd be making to you is the supporters are also going to be done. Now the second point that Don Logue meant, and you're going to comment on this one, yeah. he said we've too many stadiums. Right? I agree. What stadiums would you close? I wouldn't close. Look, it is what it is now. You're not closing down any stadiums. What I would say is, in Munster particularly, and we spoke about this, we touched on it, they're so tribal there in terms of how great Munster is. But then we forget how much of a rivalry is within Munster. If you're from Tip, you think you're the best thing in Munster, without exception. If you're from Waterford, likewise. Cork, likewise. So Tipperary have FBD Semple Stadium, and it's a brilliant mm. stadium, but it's quite old. So what do Cork want? Par- Cork or Parky Cueve, what do they, you know, good stadium, quite old. So they want to the one-up Tipperary. They want the best stadium in Munster. So they have another massive stadium. Limerick have the Gaelic grounds, a massive stadium. There's Fitzgerald Stadium down in Kerry, a massive stadium. Walsh Park has been redone. It had to be revamped anyway, to be fair. And Cusick Park. And you look at that. Walsh Park's very poor in comparison to those stadiums that I mentioned. Cusick Park in Ennis is very poor in comparison. It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if either of them are done up big time. I don't see the need for it, Eddie. That game on Saturday night, for example, 17,000 people were there. Good. A lot more of it was empty than was full. Yeah, and I, and it's, it's probably going to be in the top five of the biggest games in Parky Cueve this year. I think a bit of that's down to the stadium itself. It's not down to the stadium, it's the timing of the match, Saturday night. That, to me, is, is, is part of the problem there. Um, Wexford played Kilkenny in Nolan Park um, two weeks ago and there was 8,500 people at the game. Um, you know, So I, I, I don't know what the answer to that is, but Don Logue's point was um, too many of these great stadiums. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Counties are proud of their own county and they want to have it. In, in, in Leinster... O'Connor Park Glenisco O'Connor Park and Tullamore is a fabulous stadium but is it, it's the right size though I said this on Scoreline yesterday O'Moore Park and Port Leash lovely stadium when yes. it's full Netwich Cullen Park lovely stadium when it's full and if there's a big game Nowland Park the go, same yeah it can go to Cullen <coughs> Park though yeah but them you stadiums there you don't need 50,000 seat stadium there's not a demand for it there isn't but Cork I suppose down there Parky Cueve there was a big businessman put in place they were going to have concerts they were going to have different things it was going to be a part of a big thing for the city as well and they have to an extent um, and but look, whether it's look they're going to need a lot of Westlife know. concerts I don't know are, yeah. but the point that I will say to you was that he was saying about the too many stadiums he didn't really quantify it very clearly and what I would say is I asked the lads this morning in work and it was the first question I posed to them when they were saying about the, because we did have this discussion I said what stadiums would you close? Would you be happy enough for Kilkenny to play all their league games in a centre of excellence in Kildare, which is like a beautiful stadium built purposely to host all the league games for Leinster? And the answer was no. So county boards take pride in their own place. Cork won't accept any responsibility for what went on in Cork. This is all the GEA's fault. But there's not a 50,000 seater stadium in, in Nolan well, Park I suppose because Ned Quinn or PJ Kenny or Jimmy Welch didn't go and build a 50,000 seat yeah, stadium. It, it would be crazy too to an extent. But what I'm saying is due to costs to all of this and probably Parky Cueve is so out there in comparison to be fair and it's been such a mess since this whole thing has gone on. But do the costs for these stadiums and the revamps actually pay off in the end? Is there, you know, is there a need for them? You look at Walsh Park. Walsh Park's tiny comparatively. Mm-hmm. But and, Walsh Park, and, and what were we chatting about earlier? Yeah, but not a lot of people going to the match in Walsh Park. Yeah, but I'd say the capacity of Walsh Park is still probably only twenty thousand. 
It's not much if more. Even. Yeah, so this is what I'm saying. It's not that they built this huge stadium. They just upgraded their facility. Do you know what I mean? It's not like they're after building a 50,000-seater stadium. They're just upgrading but their But that's best. my point. Do you need anything more than 20,000 in Parky Cueve. Do you think the Parky Cueve, the new development of Parky Cueve, has put Cork hurling back further than the strike did? Oh, God, no, 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 no. But do, do you know what I mean? The Cork players will go on strike. And you don't think you think Parky Queeves to, to spend on Parky Queeves? No, because that's, that's the that strike. I thought it was bizarre. Oh, I saw did I that strike? Like it killed Cork hurling. Yeah, but I don't hear anybody roaring about it on the RT before a match. Yeah, because he's not going to say that, does no, he? No, he's not. But this is what I'm saying to you, though. It's Jackie Turrell did say it at the end. Now I don't know because I was trying to watch it in a bar in Leeds as well, so it wasn't the easiest thing in the world. And they did have the commentary on, but. He did say at the very end that Cork had a great tendency to deflect everything off themselves and blame everybody else bar them. And I thought, fair news, Jackie, you know. Serious kahunas. I'd like to know what happened after when they went off air. But Jackie did say that. The Cork of history of blaming everybody bar themselves. But it was just the comments on it. Don Logue's made, I think, a very relevant comment in the sense that we don't need all of these massive stadiums. But do also remember that we had a pitch to plan there to host the European Championships and that was going to be one of the host stadiums. I think there was a Rugby World Rugby Cup World pitch. Cup well, yeah. You know, that was going to be one of the host stadiums. Like these. But his argument as well, to be fair, was that none of these things are planned out well. None of them. That it's just, here's a stadium, let's go and do it. Crow Park sign off on it, GA sign off on that it. That rant, that rant, just so you know. Now this is, this is Eddie Scully's opinion. Yeah, yeah. That rant was done for one reason and one reason only and it was to deflect away from the 42 million in the report that said it was being spent on inter-county teams. That was what that rant was for. That rant was to yeah. deflect away from that and then he said people are picking up papers thinking that 42 million has been distributed between county senior players. No it's not. No one's believing that. No one in the world thinks that. What we do think though is the players got 7 million pound in, in vouched expenses. They deserve 17 million. They deserve 27 million in my opinion. There's no issue there. But the point of the matter was the runaway train in the GEA is the costs of coaching and development of senior teams with nutritionists, strength and conditioning coaches, so Supplements, meals, all of that. Even from when Don Logue retired to the teams that are there today. The expenses incurred on county boards to provide their teams. And the GPA is insisting on it, and they're right, that every county, every team is treated the same. And this is why county boards are in trouble. Not because Parky Cueve went and spent X amount of money building their new stadium. That's not why. Because I can tell you, my own home county, Westmead, their home stadium, absolute disgrace oh, it's awful, yeah. do you know Cusick Park Mullingar should be better than that it should be Park Huron and Athlone should be better it's the second stadium of, of Westmead hurling and football you know I, I think and that's not a slight on Westmead GEA it's unfortunate the funding's not there to develop it but you look inside and I'm not saying Wexford Park Michal Martin's doing a serious job down there as chairman and as Kim Whinge and they can moan and they give out about this that and the other Wexford has a lovely floodlit stadium now he started regenerating the stadium that's there as well Seaton gone in into his new stands the purple and gold Seaton gone in they're, they're tipping away at their own pace they're not building some mad stadium that's going to cost them and leave them crippled with debts forever they're trying to develop what they've had the dressing rooms in Wexford Park people will tell you are very disproportionate they're, they're very like the, 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 the not the ones in the O'Carroll stand the other dressing rooms in Nowlet yeah. in, in, in Park or on the grass they're, they're, they're old you know they're old like it's about developing bringing things up but the problem was in my opinion the reason that was all done was because there was a report brought out last week and it was heavily emphasised on the runaway train of costs being spent on inter-county teams and the effect it was having on their county boards. That's why this argument happened. And that's why there was a massive pop. And it was a specific pop at an individual. Like, that pop was at the individual financial controller of the GEA. He's, he's named, in it? Tom Ryan. No, that's... Well, it is Tom Ryan, yeah. 
Mm. He's the financial controller for the GA, is it? It's George Shuhar, but he was financial controller from, from 2007, 2007, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, he's named and he's he's hit at it. And that's, that's but that's because Tom Ryan did come out during the week suggesting that this all needs to be reined in from a player's point of view and from the costs of intercounty teams. <laughs> this is it. But the argument that. Don't so once you say that you're you're there to be popped back at in fairness. But this is what he popped back with was the mm. overspending Barky Queef. Um is it an unnecessary thing? I don't know if it's an unnecessary thing. I do know for ten minutes, six and a half minutes before that match is what I listened to was that rant. It was so peculiar as well, just to analyse the analysis. Because for people that were watching and uh, I was listening to KCLR um, always do it's great <laughs> but for people that were watching it was only 15 minutes build ups you know we'd be used to kind of half an hour 45 minutes at this stage even an hour if it's, if it's a big game like it ran straight out of the rugby match I think Wales were playing England and um, it was so peculiar that the first like 6 minutes and then you could see the players lining out and the, the conversation had ended. So it was just this really squashed conversation that had no time to breathe or anything. So there was just a lot of absolute carnage coming at you in a very, very quick period of time. Do you think that's why it was so strange as well? Like that it wasn't sort of 30 minutes and there were one or two minutes of madness. It was like the, the full thing that came straight at you for six minutes was just really, really mad. Yeah, it's, it is. Like, do you know what it is? I remember a friend of mine saying to me about The X Factor. The X Factor is not a music show. The X Factor is a show where you get to listen to people talking about a show. So what happens on The X Factor is you sing for two minutes and then they talk about it for ten. And that happens mm. in all them TV shows yeah, now, yeah, yeah. you know. But we've 15 minutes to build up to a Cork versus Kilkenny match. And there's the, an ad break to be taken there as well because someone has to pay for this coverage. Yeah. So... There's an ad break before it. Because RTE aren't being run exactly the way they'd want to be run either. No, they're not. Um, <laughs> Just to get that little so jab in there. So there'll be an ad in the middle there as well. That has to be done. And, uh, you know, I think Don Logue, he probably makes a lot of valid points. But, like, time and a place. It's, it's a Yeah, that was the thing as well, wasn't it? I think it was a bit like, this. what the hell is this being speak, spoken about for... I don't. I, I just. I just. To be honest with you, I just don't know. I think sometimes as well, and I mean this is you know, and it's not a pop at Don Logue either, but a lot of the lads come up with all of the all of the problems, all the time, and no solutions. Yeah, I um, agree. And that to me is, and art he encouraged this as well, you know. Um, There's certainly used to encourage controversial opinion but it seemed to be from an educated point of view you wonder how educated some of the stuff was on Saturday night I think no no I think what happened there is Joe Brawley is not on RTE anymore because Joe Mm. Brawley felt he was being managed and micromanaged in what he was allowed to talk about in games and the whole lot so be under no doubt in your mind this was pre this was pre-arranged uh, no one's going to tell me that was off the cuff no one's going to oh, tell yeah, me oh yeah they went straight into it yeah so yeah, 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 like, it was you know I'm going to start off by saying to you oh look at this lovely stadium we're at and the whole lot and then you can come and cut the back off me and say this is crap and this is this that and the other and the whole lot um, so for me I think Don Logue probably made some relevant points he made some other points that I find a bit strange the whole lot the fact that X is a problem and and so is Y doesn't mean that X is no longer a problem because Y is a bigger problem. They're all problems. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Is the costs at county level a problem for county boards? Of course it is. Um, funding is going to be a problem. Ticket prices is ultimately going to be, and at the end of the day, Robbie, it's you and me that's going to ultimately pay because we're the supporters and it's us that's going to be paying with ticket prices and everything else. 
and that's where it's all going to go it's going to end up hitting us in the pocket to cover all the costs of big stadiums and big expenses with county teams simple as that OK not to keep bouncing off RTE's coverage but last night on Allianz League Sunday um, Joe Fortune and Peter Fortune were on it no relations as far as I know uh, Peter Fortune was on scoreline with us back in November when there was a proposal that five counties including his own county Lout would be um, taken out of the National Hurling League uh, that proposal didn't, didn't pass but uh, Peter is from St Mullins originally and Carlo now is the captain of the Lout senior hurling team and a representative with the GPA Joe Fortune of course as you mentioned earlier a very 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 good manager Eddie but also speaking last night um, kind of besides his role as Westmead Hurling Manager they were joined by Liam Sheedy and Ursula Jacob uh, speaking about the promotion of hurling I thought it was a really interesting conversation contrasted with the one on Saturday night because it let, it was, there was room to breathe and everybody was given a chance to speak and even at that you probably felt it was too short but it, it was a lot more nuanced and sophisticated I thought rather than a, sh- a shouting match just kind of thrown at you Um what did you make of the whole thing the promotion of hurling it's been a hot topic now for a couple of years we've had Liam Griffin on he speaks very elegantly on it yeah I think I think Peter Fortune's comments were very very well measured and thought out you know he spoke passionately about loud for man there was a few other places like that that were going to struggle to I think the GEA's plan was to put them out it didn't go it didn't pass so that was fine the hurling county stuck together and made sure that they were allowed to play he also said that Loud are going to play in the mid leagues this year which is important as well there's only three senior hurling teams in, in Loud so in order to get games Carlo yeah, have done it in Kilkenny Carlo have done it in Kilkenny too uh, they've done it at senior level as well um, yeah. uh, it's it's not ideal in Carlo the problem in Carlo is you have six teams and Loud will learn this year in the league as well you have six senior teams in Carlo and of them six senior teams <coughs> you take my club Bagnus and Gales I'm missing probably 18 players at the moment between counties hurling football and under 20s so 18 of my selection aren't available to me so we couldn't play in the Kilkenny Leagues this year because we just come up and get absolutely murdered yeah. um, so look loud they're going into the mid leagues that's great Joe Fortune's comments though you on about Westmead Joe's brilliant manager Wexford man really good guy uh, did, did really well with Dublin as well when he was there with the underage setup. but Joe Fortune made the point that the Sunday game he did it on the Sunday game which I thought was really funny he said he probably sent the camera down cover the Westmead game that would have been probably adequate enough covering the kids running around on the beach it was an absolute joke show he said the reason he didn't put any money into the production for the Westmead Limerick game was because he expected Limerick to absolutely steamroll us and win by 20 odd points and for that reason it's crap so in other words he said the Limerick or the Westmead supporters that wanted to watch the highlights of that game he said you'd barely make out Westmead players on the coverage that they had and he said that straight after the coverage on a Sunday game so he was saying and he's right now and I'm going to because we could rant about this all, all day long I don't know what the answer is and I don't know what's happening with the with the promotion of hurling in schools across the country I know in Kilkenny and in Wexford and in Carlow where I'm living in this region the promotion of hurling and football in schools is quite strong and it's done well I made a point to you Robbie I went to school in Carnamaddy National School in Athlone and I went to Tubber Clare National School as well when I'd done a, an extra year in, in National School because I was too young in my school we done PE for one hour or two hours a week max in both schools in Tubberclare in PE Mr Keaton brilliant guy Ollie Keaton played for Westmead as well his dad Vincent was the principal of the school back then football oriented school Half at lunchtime in school we played Gaelic football before school we played Gaelic football after school we played Gaelic football it was Gaelic football all the way and we got to see Mr Keaton playing Westmead on the telly we all loved Mr Keaton he was the best Mr. Fortune, Peter Fortune's school teacher, I think, in Westmead, or else he's a school teacher in Loud, one or the other. But none of the kids are going to get to see Mr. Fortune on the TV because the TV coverage isn't covering his games. So the, them kids don't see it. My school in Carnamaddy, we used to play a thing called Bumball. 
for an hour when it was raining inside in the indoor. It was a grass indoor arena we had. It wasn't grass, it was carpet. So you'd sit on your bum, and I don't know if anybody's as old as me, but basically you ran around on your ass and your hands, mm. and you kicked the ball with your feet, and it was called bum ball. And I was thinking to myself, wouldn't that hour have been far more productive if somebody had come into the school with hurdles and slithers and said, right boys, this is how you play hurling. And this is how you pick up the ball. Yeah. And then you'd be going to a place that's a, is a football stronghold. There is no hurling. There is no hurling. I know a few of my friends played with Southern Gales, but I can tell you, in my school, in Carnamaddy National School and in Tubberclare National School, i never seen anybody with a hurl. All the way up through my club level with Gary Castle, i never seen a hurl in the pitch. Ever. And then people will tell me that they're trying to promote the game. So I don't know if it's changed. be interesting to see that, but I don't believe it has. But Eddie, just on the camera point of view, say, for example... I know exactly what he means. More cameras that are kind of more optimal and the game will look a lot better. It'll be a lot more exposure for it. But how far down that rabbit hole do you go? And what I mean by that is, at the end of the day, RTE, for all the criticism that they get and however justified that is, I'll leave it up to people. I'm sure that they would probably think it is mostly justified. They do have resources and you can't just throw all the resources at all of these matches all of the time. I know GA people absolutely love it, but at the end of the day, you, like if you send those cameras to Westmeath and Limerick, do you have to send it to Division 2A? If you send it to Division 2A, does it have to go down to 2B? If they're doing it for Hurland, do they have to do it for Camogie? If they're doing it for Camogie, do they have to do it for ladies football? Like Where where does it stop? Uh, see, uh, but For me personally, what I think should happen is there should be a joined up thinking here for TG Cahar, RTE, Virgin Media, whoever it is, yeah. and there should be a, an organisation. Like, RTE don't own all their cameras, so you've companies like Iris going yeah. doing the games and all that and feeding it back to them. So what I think should happen is, at a minimum in these games, there should be two cameras. Okay. At a minimum. At every, all, all, all Allianz National Hurling League games, I, I, for example. My, my club, at a, every game I played last year was on, uh, on TV. Every single game I got sent to my phone. The video work was pretty decent as well. It wasn't a very shambolic crap um, TV camera do you know what I mean every yeah, yeah, yeah. every GEA team in the country has a guy at the stadiums now recording their games for their own analysis for their own review so it's not the hardest thing in the world to do I think what you will find is a tricky thing to do is and that's a bigger problem is the Sunday game is an hour and a half long and we lose 30 minutes or 35 minutes of it to rants and giving out and, and moaning and the rest of it then is down to analysis when really if you look at the Sunday game look at how much time we get to actual watch hurling and I think maybe Joe Fortune made a point last night he said maybe there should be a second weekly snippet for people to see and there'd be an opportunity to see all the lower level games the other thing as well is and I, I only wondered this when I was driving in how many times is the Sunday game repeated this week on RT? No it's not repeated It's not? No So if I've a 16 year old or a 17 year old at home in the house he's not able to sorry younger a 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 year old Mr Fortune played in the Manchester for Loud he's not going to see the Sunday game he's in bed but surely they're on midterm this week surely it'd make sense for an 8 o'clock in the morning show or a 9 o'clock in the morning show and even dumb it down a small bit why not do that you're on about promoting the game just so you know Kids don't want to listen to you and me talking shit about hurling. They don't want to listen to Jackie Turtle or Don Logue either. What they Do you not to, think so, no? They want to listen to their own people. They want to listen to their peers. And I actually think if the GA really wanted to think outside the box, what they'd do is they'd put on... I remember when I was a kid, there was a programme called Scrap Saturday or Scratch Saturday, something like that. It was on a Saturday morning. It was great. Uh, Mary Kingston was definitely one of the people that presented it. And it was Kevo. And they'd go around and they'd do all that. Why not get young people... They all love to do it. There's lots of kids that want to get into the media. Yeah, 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 no, I know, I understand that. Why too, not yeah. put together a, a show where you come back and, and, and actually have it where you have a coach 
an actual coach and you have some of the younger kids and they're looking back in the game and saying what, what did you enjoy about the game today and they say oh Robbie's pick up there at that stage in the game was brilliant and then the coach showed him this is what happened and that's what happened then you're promoting the game then you're actually who are you promoting it to mm. we're trying to promote it to the kids and by promoting it to the kids we're going to have arguments about spends on stadiums and yeah no I know I know what you mean just on this because I think we were going down a bit more so towards RTE there maybe than the actual promotion of the game I always felt and I don't know I, I think this is a fair point and you might disagree with me I live in Kilkenny which is hurling mad I've been engrossing it my whole life and because of that then even though I was absolutely pathetically bad at it I've been interested in it and that's purely based off where I'm from but I do wonder do people in Kilkenny do people in Tipperary the people in Cork where it's so strong so healthy so much interest in it do they really care about the smaller counties and the promotion of hurling in the smaller counties and what I mean by that is I love hurling as I said I think it's brilliant but it's so insular it is so insular how many conversations do you hear how many conversations do you have nothing like that hurling at the weekend hurling's best sport in the world hurling's unbelievable when the reality is in these counties yeah but in those counties, it's not. Do they really care about promoting it in the smaller counties? Um, I Look, I, I think you're right in what you're saying, Rob. As I said to you, Westmead yesterday lost by six points to Limerick. I don't believe there's conversations up and down Westmead today about how close they got mm. to beating the All-Ireland Champions. I don't think in Athlone, if you went into the Shack or Sean's Bar for a coffee this morning, I don't think you're going to be listening nice to that. plug there. Um, I don't think, I don't think I plug two bars actually. <laughs> but if, if but genuinely, I don't think that'll be the topic of conversation. Yeah. Whereas if you go into Kilkenny City now and get a yeah. coffee in Langton's, they'll be talking about the Cork match. Yeah. But that's that was one side of it. And then the point that you're making about do they really care about the promotion of the games any smaller? I'll tell you what they do care about. They care about protecting their brand. And if Hurlan loses another county, or, you know, who's going to replace said mm. county? So if Curry drops off, which could conceivably happen, because now I know, I think, they, did they get beaten again yesterday? They, got they, got, they lost it down. Yeah, so Curry, and I don't like don't take this the wrong way now. Do you know, Curry are going through a bit of a transitional period at the moment. But just say Curry dropped off and said, nah, f- you know, slip back into the yeah. old. Right, now we've another team lost. And then say Westmead don't win the Joe Mack this year and next thing the support in Westmead starts to dwindle off. The sport is in trouble then. Do you know what I mean? At the moment now you've got eight or nine teams. The GEA know that they need 10 or 11 teams. They can't afford to go to six or seven teams and that's why it's so important it's promoted in all these other counties. Also, just so you know as well, in Westmead, when I was a kid growing up, we used to go to Crow Park to watch Offaly playing in the hurling and shout for Offaly oh wow yeah we did we also went to Crow Park to shout for Galway when you're living in a town like Athlone Galway's just on the other side of the border the Galway team used to stop in Athlone get off the bus and carry the cup across the bridge in Athlone when they win in All-Ireland that's wow. the tradition yeah. but people in Westmead in Athlone which wouldn't be a hurling stronghold they would shout for Offaly or they would shout for Galway as their near neighbours and, and, and actually get behind the team and watch it but still wouldn't pick up sticks and hit them around the schools and this is why Westmead isn't competing at the same levels as Galway and Offaly because the effort wasn't put in there to say hold on let's do it why brilliant rugby team in Athlone Buccaneers brilliant soccer team St Peter's Willow Park Athlone Town and three or four very strong Gaelic football clubs St Bridget's Gary Castle Athlone themselves you know so they didn't need Ireland and that's why they didn't promote 
Okay. I think we'll chat about this all day, but I suppose we have to pull the plug at some point. Uh, any other comments before we leave it, Eddie? No, I think it's very important that we let anyone listen to our podcast know that there's a special podcast coming this week too, Robert. There you go. You you, you plug it away. Go on, Yeah, Eddie. no, I'll tell you what it was. <clears throat> In fairness, Michael Fenley has started the whole... Um, promotion of the game performance lead lead. yeah Yeah, and I think I thought it was a very interesting chat with Michael I think people should listen to it and have a a better understanding as to what's coming for Kilkenny GEA I thought Michael was very I thought he was very honest and very open with his time and uh, I think you're putting it out this week at some stage that podcast is going to go live and it's 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 an exciting podcast because I think it's the injection of energy Kilkenny needs at the moment mm. No it is very interesting it'll come out at some point this week you'll hear a snippet of it on Scoreline this Saturday at 4 o'clock as well but the podcast will be out this week as uh, Eddie said it's a very interesting conversation obviously a lot of talk about the underage systems in Kilkenny and whether they have been um, kind of beneficial over the last number of years and whether Michael finally can change it um, as well along with obviously all the support as well that he'll have so um, yeah coming out this week so make sure to stay tuned for that Kilkenny Hurling podcast special other than that Eddie anything else from the weekend anything at all that you'd like to bring up the floor is yours no I'm no. absolutely happy enough I think the games are good at the weekend I'd like to apologise if, if 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 it came across like I was having a rant but somebody else having a rant no no uh, not at all <laughs> that, not that's not at the case at all, all Eddie. Uh, but no no look I'm enjoying it I think next week we should start maybe looking at uh, we will look at some of the club stuff because obviously Kilkenny aren't out in the county game so I think we'll be maybe bringing a little bit closer to home because there's uh, a lot of uh, moving and shaking in the Kilkenny championships this year and it'll be interesting to see who's coming and who's going yeah interestingly I was at the launch of them in Nolan Park during the week but we'll leave it at that thanks a million as always Eddie for joining me on the Kilkenny Hurling Podcast today if you're interested and want to listen you can catch us on Spotify Google Podcasts Apple Podcasts or anywhere you do your podcast listening and myself and Eddie will be back next week until then have a great week The Kilkenny Hurling Podcast with Eddie Scally and Robbie Dowling brought to you by KCLR and scoreline.ie